What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, this is episode number 320. That's a three and a two and a zero. Uh, I'm Steve, one of the co-hosts, and as always, I'm here with... Ron. And John. Yeah, guys. Good to see you both. Yeah, man. Good to see you. And hear you both. Yes. Yeah. Um, So this is going to be a fun episode. Ronald mentioned this earlier in the week, kind of like trying to do something for Halloween, something horror related. And uh, we haven't done like a flat out list type episode in a while, um, especially uh, the topic that he suggested, which is really exciting. So we kind of came up with this idea to kind of start this new series for the podcast. We're going to call it Watch List. But each episode, we'll kind of come up with a topic, type of movie, whatever, and we'll kind of come up with our each each of us will come up with three choices that kind of fit that topic, you know, however we see that it fits it. And I mean, this one's a fun one. Again, horror related, Halloween related. Ronald suggested kind of coming up with some movies that are horror movies that you might have missed. Obscure movies, unseen movies, movies that some people just don't know exist. So in a moment, we're going to go around and kind of talk about some of those movies and try to help you find them this Halloween season. But uh, top of the episode, a little bit of news real quick. John, you wanted to mention, I guess, the Dune performance, the Dune announcement. What do you, what yeah. do you got here? Just the fact that Dune 2, Dune Part 2, has been officially announced. It's the other shoe dropping. I mean, we were kind of talking about it as though it might not happen, but I think we all sort of knew that surely they wouldn't put out a movie that says Part 1 at the beginning if if right. they didn't have plans for doing the Part 2. I mean, it is the right. same company that would be making that decision, that's making the decision yeah. to put that <laughs> at the front of this movie. But it did also feel at a certain point in there, it felt like it might be like a gambit that Denny Villeneuve need, needed to kind of get ahead of it and be... He was in the press talking about how he, how he was ready to go. And you don't see that all the time. That's, that did feel a right. little bit like a public negotiation or something like that. I don't know. But maybe it was always the plan to do it this way. Um, certainly Dune is a movie that people have been talking about for the last week. So I guess just kind of, I wanted to see what you guys think about now that we know we're getting to part two. Does it change your feelings at all about part one, Ronald? And also, Steve, you finally saw it. And uh, you, you got you can now, I think you've, you've announced to us that we can chalk up another yeah. win for your buddy. Denny, um, talk to us Denny. a little bit about Dune. I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you guys said. I mean, I, I did decide to go see it in uh, in theaters. Uh, mm. I saw it on one of the Dolby screens here in Baltimore or, or the AMC version of it, the prime screen. Um, but I absolutely love this movie. Like, again, I come to it not knowing really much beyond the documentary that we've talked about a few times on this podcast, but I've never seen Lynch's film never read the book so i kind of went in liking the cast liking the idea and knowing a little bit about like you know i guess a little bit about the idea of like it kind of feels like this story is a, is behind the eight ball a bit because you know there's so much that have come after it that seemed to have been inspired by it, whether it's star wars or the matrix or any of these stories um so dune you know had a, a bit of an uphill battle in terms of a movie piece just to kind of like show how important it was and can be and hopefully will be, you know, once they get around the part two and whatever else Warner Media does with this franchise. But in general, you know, I, I do, uh, you know, being being able to see it on the big screen was a privilege, I think, you know, and I mean, that theater is like my go to for any of these big scale things that I really try to see in theaters. And I mean, I'll say that and then I, I, I watched it again over the weekend on HBO Max and I still loved it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel, I don't feel like it's the kind of thing where I'm going to say you can only do it in theaters like obviously you see it where you're comfortable seeing it um but i did make the exception and went and i'm very happy that i did because uh i don't know man like it's just like it's one of those things where you get this world building and it's like this whole thing that i'm just super invested in seeing more about now and uh the cast is great 
I mean, visually, the score, everything about this movie feels special to me. And uh, yeah, Denny is uh, basically undefeated in my book uh, so far. I mm. mean, it's crazy to think about what he's put out in 10 years. Um, Nobody talks about Enemy. I liked Enemy, but no me one too. Really talks about it. Me too. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird, it's a bit, it's a, it's probably the weird one of the bunch. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's still great. I mean, Jake is great in it. But I mean, I think the real, the, the thing that like got me so much about Dune was like, and I mean, this is no cut on anybody else in the movie because I think everybody is great. Rebecca Ferguson, Javier Bardem, Josh yeah. Brolin, Oscar Isaac. But Chalamet is like the second coming guy. Like he's the guy that studios are trying to make happen on the biggest <laughs> scale possible. This movie as an example. And, you know, he's going to be the next Willy Wonka. You know what I mean? So this is a guy that they have a lot invested in. Yeah. But listen to this, though. Like, I feel like my takeaway from it is like I walked out of that theater convinced that now I believe that like he's a star like he he, yeah. he completely every shot he's in in that movie he is gorgeous and like he has this brooding he has the emotion he's got some levity when it needed it and I mean I just feel like especially being surrounded by this murderer's row of like amazing amazing actors that are like you know people that I'm sure he you know looks up to and that are mentors to him in a lot of ways but I mean, this is the one for me. Like I've liked him in a lot of movies that he's been in. And honestly, most of the movies he's been in, I've always liked him in it. But I've never feel like I've admitted out loud that I think that he has it until the, the it. Now that doesn't mean box office or whatever. I'm just saying like that star power. Yeah. I just felt like it really clicked for me seeing him in Dune. And I mean, as, as Paul and just seeing where this story goes and again, not knowing where it goes, um, I'm kind of fresh on it and I'm fresh on him. And I just feel like I was just, I was just, wow. I thought he was incredible in the movie and um, just, I, yeah. I mean, like, I, I can't wait to, I mean, literally I'm talking my wife into trying to watch it with me because I, I want to watch it again. Yeah. And uh, I just think that it's like this large scale thing that I probably have like an appetite for that. I really haven't had a lot in this last year and a half that we we've talked about a few times on the podcast Admittedly, I haven't seen Shang-Chi still, and I really want to see that. And I haven't seen the new Bond. But, I mean, this was the one that I felt like I kind of wanted to go for it, um, for who he is and what the story is and what it looked like to me. Uh, but, yeah, everyone's great in it. Momoa, I think it's probably the best thing he's done. I was going to say he's Momoa so and Chalamet, like, both of them have had, like, you know, I would say I've seen them in things where I've thought they were good. And I've also thought, well, what are they really capable of or what kind of, you know. right. Can Momoa kind of loosen up and be and be natural and warm? Um, and can Chalamet kind of, you know, he's very actorly in a way, and there is something yeah. very serious about him. And I do think sometimes you can look at someone, and you're right, when someone's kind of pretty and they're talented, you kind of wonder like it's like that thing that people go through with certain people when like even I, I went through it with like Anne Hathaway of like she's too talented. It took me a while to warm up to her because she seemed like well she's just the every you know everything stacked in her favor. She's just an actorly right. actor. Um, I do think I wouldn't say maybe this is the one that clicked for me, but th like maybe Little Women and a couple of other things yeah. set me up to this feeling of like yeah no he brings something to the scene. He he's playing little moments. He's not overplaying it. You know he's not like his expressions aren't like overplaying the emotion, but he does show you what's happening inside his. 
character on his face. And I know that sounds like a silly thing to say because that's what actors kind of do. But I'm just saying for a movie like this, where it's it's going to have a lot to do with the look of the character, he yeah. does a really good job of selling like the weight of it and even the kind of cool factor. I mean, there's one scene that I think of, if there's only one moment that feels a little too like, I don't know, music video-ish, there's that long scene of him on the cliffs, like, walking around in the grass and he's wearing like a yeah. nice outfit and he's, yeah. that's the only part of the movie where I thought, okay, are they just shooting a, like a perfume commercial or something like that? <laughs> but the rest of the time I thought it all worked together. So yeah, the fact that he's got this very striking look and yet, like you said, you just mentioned some of the most beautiful people in Hollywood yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but those scenes between him and Jason Momoa, I felt like both of them kind of went up a notch in my mind. I was like, oh, they yeah. both are playing the, like Chalamet is playing a little bit more of a kid in those moments. And, and Momoa is playing this kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, uncle type, um, yeah. you know, and who brings a shot of warmth to this movie. I think Momoa is one of the more likable characters in the whole thing. So, yeah. um, no, it's interesting. I, I'm really intrigued by some of the characters they have yet to, t to cast and, um, uh, what they might do with the next one. I mean, I think the sad thing is this is going to be a few years out. This is not like yeah. going to be a quick turnaround movie, but it is cool that it's, you know, it's official and people can now relax and they, they're going to get part two. They're going to get to see yeah. the eyes turn blue in the movie. It's, it's. I mean, it's a, it's a little more complicated than people are letting on about the announcement because uh, there's a regime change. Uh, you know, Discovery's buying Warner Brothers and they could just say no. I mean, that's a weird thing to say, but it could happen. Um, but I do think this this is a really cool acquisition that Discovery's doing for a bunch of reasons. Uh, Christopher Nolan is out of the Warner Brothers business. He pretty much said, fuck them, and he's leaving. He's It's not a thing anymore. You know, and th there's, a, there's a ton of rumor, but with the way that Tenet was treated, um, more than likely he's not going to do a film with them again, right? And so you got... Denny, who is getting into a business of what is the the unmakeable film that everybody keeps saying, the unmakeable book, and presents it in a way that's palatable, uh, that's really obviously stunning and plays well. I I, I know it's like a it's a comp it's a more complicated thing than Star Wars in general. There's just a lot of lot more moving parts, a lot more source material. But I don't think that this could have been made any better than this for the time, for the space, for the director. I just something about the way that this, you know, it's not perfect, but I think we should watch the 1984 version and maybe review that down the line. Just that, you know, it's it's okay. been restored. It's, you yeah. know, and maybe we could even get into the TV shows, the sci-fi TV shows. Well, I mean, one of the things to, that movie did was it tried to dirt. cram it all into one movie, <laughs> and then they had to deliver a movie that was much right. closer to two hours than three when yeah. it came down to the edit. So I think that movie lost like 45 minutes right, you know, at, in the home stretch and right. was an attempt to make it into one movie. And David Lynch even talks about how he didn't get to make the movie that he wanted. But you'll find right. people who will say they love that movie. Movie, and sometimes it has to do with the source material. But also, Ronald, I, have you seen a few people... Like, Dune is now one of those things. It's like Batmans and Spider-Mans. And <laughs> it's like you can now... Have, it's James Bond. It's like you can kind of have the Dune you like. You can have the, the miniseries that was on television. Yes. You can have the original David Lynch movie. You can be a book purist. But this feels like it is... 
I think the question of a lot of people and myself included was, can you bring people into this world in this movie? Um, mm-hmm. And I think this movie did do that. And I think for the, you know, Steve being a person who came in cold, having the reaction that he did is testament to that. I came in like yeah. half cold. I don't know how cold you were, but I mean, you know, I knew some of the iconography from the movie, but I did not have the storyline memorized. Um, and I think it's almost, like I said before, it's kind of deceptively simple. It seems really complicated, but it's, it's yeah. similar to you if you followed some of these recent sagas, whether you're talking about Star Wars, whether you're talking about Game of Thrones, anything. It's got that, it's that like overlay of like mature ideas and sort of adult themes over this fantasy story. So it's sort of like, it's got that, it, I don't know. I just think that, as you said, it, it may not be perfect, but it's hard to picture them doing a better job for right now, for today's yeah. audiences, of turning people on to this, to this idea. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I don't know. Isn't there an HBO Max series coming, too? Isn't that something else that's happening? Yeah, about the the group of women. Uh, the Ben and Jesuit. Yeah, yeah, Ben and Jesuit. A spinoff with them. That, I got the terms um, down, dude. I'm like, yeah, I'm man, ready. Let's go. You're a full-on nerd. Let's you're go. A, I'm full-on, dude. Have you seen the um, the Dune poster where they put in all Joey Tribbiani's and it says, uh, <laughs> uh, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess we all like this thing, man. Like I yes, watched yes. it twice. I watched it in, in a big setup and then I watched it in the living room with two uh, Apple speakers and it, the sound editing is just, the, the, the mix of this movie just surprises me. It I've watched it twice. The first time really, really loud, like un 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 unreasonably loud with Aaron not in the house. Cause she would have fucking went crazy. And then we watched it together and she, she liked it. She's just like, Huh, this is pretty fucking good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's intimidating. It's an intimidating movie. If you watch the trailer, you're like, I I can't get with this. This is too this is too fancy pants for me. Or it but looks too grim watching, or something. Like even yeah, the trailer doesn't show some of the more I don't know. I mean, I I think it is fun in its way, but it's not going yeah. for fun in the way that we're used to these right. popcorn movies. And I think that's what that's kind of part of that thing we're talking about, where it feels a little more substantive or adult or something. Is that it's it's not trying to take you on a roller coaster ride, but it's got a couple of real payoff action scenes. That scene with the yeah. sandworm and the spice mining machine and stuff. That's that's a great action scene. Oh, so good. Man. And the choreography of it and the visuals of it. Yeah, it it can be done. You can make a good adult sci-fi movie. Not just Oblivion. It's, it, it could be done again. <laughs> Move over, Oblivion. So, Ronald, did you relax knowing that Make there's room. a part two? Like, when you saw it, like, when you saw that news, did you think... I know you yeah. said that there's still some iffiness around that, but as far as just, doesn't that make part one seem more sensible as a movie now that there will be a bookend for it? I was stressed, to be honest with you, man. <laughs> Especially watching it the second time. I, You know, you, you, you're you like, okay, I've seen it the first time, and then everything starts to make sense the second time you see it. It's like a gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it probably again. Like, I notice little things... Um, but yeah, I'm like gearing up in the last 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to give anything away when, when, when the, the final, the, the final act happens and you're like, okay, things are about to change mm-hmm. for the better or the worse. I don't know. And then it's just like, boom, part, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, to be credits come. Yeah, man. Well, that's Dune. Um, anything else about Dune, Steve? You were the newcomer to it. Nah, man. I just I'm I'm happy the the parts you got announced. I'm happy that it exceeded the estimates on the weekend and and still did a pretty good number on HBO Max. I think it's at like 1.9 million, which is not the highest by any means. Right. I think you know 
there's a few that were definitely higher than it, but I mean, it definitely is kind of above the average for these movies. Definitely the biggest box office that they've had um, for quite a bit. I think probably, I guess since Kong Godzilla, maybe, I think maybe it it did more. I can't remember if it did more than that or not, but yeah, it's just good. Like, you know, there's positive things around it. I know we, we had doubts and, you know, there was a lot of concern about like, is this going to be the real big flop of the whole thing? And, you know, I don't think it's going to reach the heights it could have, but I mean, I think it's doing way better than some people thought it could do. And I mean, I think globally it's already, you know, it's pretty much on its way to making all of its money back before you even get into ancillary stuff. And um, I would be completely shocked, even through the discovery stuff, like if anything changed with part two, I, I kind of feel like part two was always a plan. Like, I don't think, I, I mean, beyond the, the having part one, which they kind of hid from the marketing in the title card, yeah. you know, like, I feel like that was a move a flex to say, like, there's going to be more kind of like it did, but at the end of it, um, but I mean, I just feel like the way that the cast and the filmmakers have been talking about it and the idea of like the whole possible lawsuit that was happening with legendary because of the HBO max stuff, like there's conversations happening with people way, way higher than we'll ever know that I'm sure was like, if this shit's going on HBO max, like you're guaranteeing a part two, you know, like I, I don't doubt that that ever was a plan. It's more yeah. of a, how do we tease it? How do we string it? And then we'll announce it the Monday or Tuesday after opening to kind of really impress on people, like see, see this in theaters still, because like mm. it's going to be on HBO max for 30 days. And then you want to see this in theaters. Cause in two years, part two is coming out. And right. don't you think it's kind of funny the way that like they probably did think let's let's do the flex of saying part one at the beginning and then announcing the sequel a few days after that. But yeah. it, what ended up like it's one of those things that I wouldn't say it backfired, but it's one of those things where it's like if you were the PR person who decided that you'd look back and go, eh, we created a little too much confusion about this by never announcing part two and then it getting out that this is very much half of the story. Do you know what I mean? Like there was that couple of weeks where people were like, what is this? Is this going to be like, should I even get invested in this if they're not going to be able to finish it or whatever? Um, And I wonder like for fans of the saga, you know, people who love Dune, would it have been better for them to know, oh, we're getting the whole story, you know, going into this movie the weekend that it came out and all that stuff. But either way, you're right. It does almost seem like this is the way they plan to, to roll it out all along. Yeah. And it was only scared rabbits like us who have to talk about movies every week who noticed and got <laughs> concerned. But I think our concerns about it flopping were based on a sense of, it feels like there was a time when it looked like everything was contracting again. And it felt like any movie that came out in that span was going to be just a, a financial loss. But I don't think it ever quite contracted to that extent. There've been a few big hits since then. Since we had those concerns, it's been more of a steady thing that like every weekend, there's some top movie that has decent numbers. Right. Um, And they're not always the ones... I mean, I think we can expect all the predictable ones to be number one the weekend they come out. But which ones have staying power are going to be the ones that, you know... Sure. That that people talk about, but also I think the home release thing it does it does change it. You know, like I think a lot more people would be going to see these movies clearly in the theater if uh, if they couldn't see them at home. But it sure is nice to be able to watch it at home. And I agree with you. Dune looked great on my television. I don't have any complaints about that. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's get to our watch list. Uh, this is um, you, you suggested the topic, Ronald. What were you thinking when you when you what you, what you said was obscure horror movies? We're calling mm-hmm. this horror movies you might have missed. But what yeah. what made you think it would be fun to talk about something obscure, uh, but kind of stay on topic? Because we usually do something horror related for this Halloween episode. I think I just get sick of people talking about the same shit. 
And you know, you you just see, <laughs> you know, and, and this is this lends itself to the service thing. You know, you have a service. You just like let me pluck from this pile that that everybody has access to, and there are far more horror films that span outside of the realm of Netflix. And there's nothing wrong with Netflix. There's nothing wrong with Hulu or anything like that. But there are other things in other places. And sometimes there might be something you, wrong you, with Netflix, but it's a, that's hear, a different conversation. Yeah, if you hear something compelling enough, yeah, you know, if you hear something compelling enough, you would be willing to go outside of the services that you use. That's yes. all. That's all I want. You know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think for me, when I heard obscure horror films, I thought that's going to be hard because one of the things we've done every time we've talked about horror movies as a list, mm. and really people look back. Several Halloween, whatever the closest episode to Halloween, we've done lots of topics, you know, um, right. that are around this. And I think that we've dug into that well. I mean, I don't know about you, Steve, as like a, long, a longtime horror fan, if you kind of feel like you've you've almost deliberately tried to mention those movies that you love that are obscure or that might not get yeah. some love. And so it's a little Definitely. bit hard now to sort of say, okay, because I wanted to not talk about any movies that I had I had talked about before on the show. So for me, that meant watching movies I had not yet seen. Um, uh, but it, it still was, I wanted to go into that realm of obscure or movies that, you know, might not be in that conversation that, like you said, Ronald, I mean, we all love Halloween. We all love the work of John Carpenter. We all love, right. uh, you know, whatever name your more recent stuff, scream, Blair, Witch, whatever, but the thing we, you know, we've talked about these movies ad nauseum. So it is fun to like force yourself to go outside of that. And as a, as right. a big genre hound for horror, I had to really go, Oh, what would be fun for me? And so for me, yeah, it was uh, movies I hadn't seen. And I thought about the the movie that I, I like my favorite horror movie might be black Christmas, which came out in 1974 mm. and was sort of like, the beginning of the kind of slasher thing and started a lot of those ideas. And I thought, well, what about right before that? What kind of horror movies were coming out? So I looked at the year 1973. So all my picks come from come from 1973. Um, there were that many horror films? There were tons. That's, and they, were, they, they all really have cool. great names. There was one that I did not watch called That's When the Screaming Starts. Um, <laughs> there was another one called Don't Look in the Basement. You know, these titles are great. I love, um, I love titles. But, like the, you know, the, I, I didn't go based on title. One of them I kind of went based on title. But, you know, I, you know, so one of the movies I didn't like that well, one of them I thought was pretty good, and the one I thought was great. So mm. I did all right. And I guess I'm kind of warning, not warning you about, but... You know, so mine's not, my my three aren't all recommends, but they are. There is something to gain. There's something valuable about each of these movies. How, what about okay. you, Steve? Was how did you define obscure when you've talked about horror so much on this show? I mean, honestly, like uh, there may be some crossover to stuff I've already mentioned, but it just comes down to like it's always something that just people don't. I feel like people don't know these movies exist. You know, like if I mention it to ten people, one or two of them might have even known. <clears throat> that it's out there let alone probably none of them have even seen it mm -hmm. so yeah love horror movies always mentioned on the show so you know it's it's the kind of thing where it's like you know what's something because people 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 will ask you know like what's a good horror movie to check out like yeah. Yeah. friends will text me and ask whatever and it's like yo do you want it on a do you want to be able to watch it on a streaming service or are you going to go rent it somewhere digitally or what you know so it's like there's some qualifiers in terms of like, how can you access these titles? So I'll plan on providing that information with my list. But I mean, I think that also it's like, uh, I'm really trying to focus on things that just need more attention. Even if it's me mentioned, I may have, I'm sure we talked about some of my choices before in the podcast, but I mean, um, just, you know, banging the drum for these movies again, just because, you know, Halloween weekend, when this drops on uh, all the podcast platforms, it's like, 
these are ones you should be watching if you want to watch something kind of like Ronald said, like outside of the the standards or the classics, or you want to kind of stretch a little bit and maybe find some things that, um, you know, aren't on the top of the iTunes rentals or aren't yeah. in the uh, the Netflix top horror movies chart or whatever it might be. So yeah, just it just really comes down to like these are movies that one out of ten people that I know probably know <laughs> exist yeah. in the world of digital media. Mm. Well, so, who, who yeah, wants to get started? At. I'll go first. All right, Ronald, kick it off. Okay, so mine is uh, Shinya Sakamoto's 1989 body horror film Tetsuo the Iron Man. Ugh. What a strange fucking movie. Man, like, I'm not a big horror film, horror, body horror movie person. Did Jason um, Conti, friend of the show, Jason, Jason Conti, did Conte. he loan you this DVD? Because he loaned me the DVD. We we must have borrowed the same. We both went to the same Jason Conti lending library because that's yeah, the only yeah. way I would have seen this film. And yeah, wow. What a what a weird movie, man. Like it's just a, a guy just <laughs> one day is just. It is a. I, the less you know about it, the the better. I think. Because calling it, it calling really, it body hard at least gives you a spoiler as to like yes right 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 there is some transformative shit that is very disturbing <clears throat> yeah it, it's it's just about a man whose body transforms in 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 horrific ways and it just it's in black and white so it really it really masks some of the it, it's a lot of practical things a lot of you know costumes and such so the black and white really does make it a lot more brutal to seeing some of these things happen to this gentleman <laughs> as his body changes. And, you know, the blood looks crazy. The, the His body as it changes looks very strange. And also the there's a lot of good facial acting in it. Like, you know, how would I react if a metal rod was coming out of my body? I probably would look like this guy looks in this film. Um, it's just a cool ass film. It's 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 really odd. I think it might even be in the Criterion Collection. It is one of those films that just you will never forget it. You will never forget it once you see it. And it 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 it's music is sparingly used, and it just works in a way that I just when I saw it, I couldn't believe it. And I I would suggest it for anybody that wants to see something a little off the beaten path, especially. If you're kind of used to seeing American horror films and you want to venture into something a little different, Tetsuo the Iron Man is 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 one of my picks. I like the idea that Tetsuo is a little different. I'm picturing someone watching like, <laughs> I don't know, I know what you did last summer or something like that. And like, I want to watch something a little different. Oh, try Tetsuo. Yeah. <clears throat> Where a guy's penis becomes like a metal corkscrew. <laughs> Or as, as opposed to, I don't know if that I've ever seen a non I guess I could just say corkscrew, right? I don't have to add metal yeah. to that. That's bad writing. But uh, a yeah, three D printed corkscrew. Yeah. You could be like a penis. Turns yeah, you into could a go that far. Printed so, have you seen Tetsuo, Steve? Did you? Did that one cross I've your never, mind? Never, never heard of it. Yeah. Steve, well, I did not get the uh, invite to the rental library. It sounds like. <laughs> It was a, it was more like Conti just walks up to you and hands you a stack of DVDs that someone has just returned to them, and he kind of is allergic yeah. to not loaning them out or something. And he yeah. just hands them <laughs> from one person to another. Um, he, his but, words were actually, "You're you're weird. You'd yeah. like this weird movie." He's maybe like, he doesn't think you're a... weird, Steve. 
I didn't cross over. Yeah, you almost almost made it. <sighs> so close, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, Tetsuo. What a, what a good pick. All right, well, I'm going to go to my first pick. Now, this is, like I said, all my movies are from 1973. So there's like a little okay. bit of a... And I thought of, like, the reason I thought of that d- divide, like I said, Black Christmas being a movie that to me feels very modern in it, a lot of its techniques that it uses to be scary. Like if you show that movie under the right circumstances to somebody, it still has the power to scare you. It can still, it's not like, unlike a lot of other movies that, you know, feel very dated. It, it has some right. quality to it. Mm. So I was like, well, I don't know. I was just, I was hoping to find something that was that way. It's something that really still had the power to scare me. The movie that was the lowest on that scale is one uh, directed by Freddie Francis and starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. So it had that kind of classic horror element to it of these guys who had been in all these horror films, you know, and playing all these classic characters. Uh, but it's called, uh, let me make sure I'm getting the, my names in order here. It's called The Creeping Flesh. Oh, okay. And there's a very literal reason why it's called The Creeping Flesh in the movie. Um, I will go with Steve's idea and tell you that if you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, you you have access to this movie for free. But it's all over the usual Vudu, YouTube, Google Play, Apple TV Amazon Prime. It's, you know, the places where it's not free, it's like three or four bucks. So you can put this on if you want to. You know, I I would say in the opening scenes of it, I was like, I really need to watch more old movies, you know, because they just have a, they're written in such a way and they're directed in such a way. There's like a clear storytelling that they're doing that is, you know, just stripping away some of those modern film ideas can make something feel more pure sometimes. But within about a half hour, I was like, this is fucking boring. You know, like this movie, like it it has some interesting ideas. It's these kind of brothers who are, they're not kind of brothers, they are brothers, but they're kind of rivals. Uh, they're scientists who are trying to win the, the coveted Richter Prize. And I could not help but picture Andy Richter uh, as the, <laughs> like maybe he should have showed up as, the, as his own ancestor in this movie to give the Richter Prize. But there are these scientists who are vying for this Richter Prize. And, and it seems to be they're working on like, preserving life after death or bringing bringing people back from the dead. You know, it's that it's like mad scientist stuff, but they're talking mm-hmm. about it like they're on the verge of a breakthrough. And so these two brothers are the the rivalry between the two of them. Um and then the creeping flesh involves this this skeleton that is a skeleton that is older than the known caveman skeletons uh <laughs> but more advanced. Like okay. it, it it suggests a more further future evolved creature, maybe even from humankind, but it was oh, deeper wow. in the, so it's got that element of like, okay, there's something going on here. And, you know, and I would say it doesn't really pay off all that stuff. If you were to watch this movie outside of just thinking is to see the movie where you will think the whole time a young Christopher Lee could have played Dr. Strange. He looks great uh, in with his little mustache and he's got the graying temples and stuff uh, in this. But the other thing I would say is you would watch this just to see that where it falls apart, where it finally falls apart, it has a little bit of atmosphere, but it's really not that creepy. Where it finally falls apart is when the creature shows up. And it is just the most... It's bad. It's just bad. I mean, I bet it looked bad in 1973 that people must have laughed in the theater. There's a part where like a hand comes down on on, on, a, on a human's hand and it lets you know, oh, they're, they're fucked. And right. it, is, it is like a rubber hand. It's like a giant, thick rubber hand. It doesn't even have like a hand inside it to, so that it can move around. It just kind of... 
it, so yeah, it's hard to imagine audiences in 73 not going, oh, well, that that was kind of a silly one, you know, a throwback even then. But, um, you know, fun, fun, a fun throwback. I would say this is not the full on recommend, but since it's free on Amazon, most people have that. I would say, yeah, watch, uh, watch The Creeping Flesh if you just kind of want a little atmosphere. It does have some interesting things. I think every movie made in 1973 in some way was dealing with like sexual repression, in particular, like the sexual revolution and women you know, female sexuality becoming more, more expressed, uh, culturally. I think this movie tries to deal with that. And it always has that kind of weird patriarchal thing. There's like a father character who really is micromanaging his daughter's life. And the movie never seems to really step aside and say, this is a bad thing for him to be doing, but it does show the sort of ill effects of it. So in a weird way, it feels like it's that weird thing. A lot of things in the seventies have that feeling of being like vaguely feminist, but not, not really by our standards. Um, and I will say this, it's one of those old movies that has super long opening credits mm. and super short closing credits. You know, those where it's like the end, yeah. the ending is literally like, bah, 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 bah. all right, everybody lights up. Let's get out of here. But the opening <laughs> is this really long, uh, credit sequence. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else worth saying. Oh yeah. Freddie Francis, the guy who directed it. I looked, he's a cinematographer. He's shot some amazing shit. Um, so he's a great cinematographer and an iffy director. So the creeping flesh. Mm. 1973, the year I was born, coincidentally, but that's, oh, not the, cool. that's not the reason I chose the year. There you go. Creeping flesh. I love this poster. <laughs> I'm like looking at it right now. It's it's a lot of like... No, it's a good poster. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> somebody getting strangled in the background. That happens, I think. I don't know, actually. You know? It made for to... a cool poster. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> it's like comic book covers used to be that way. Just draw something cool. It doesn't have to be what happens in the right. issue at all. <laughs> All right, so uh, the first one I'm going to mention is probably the most recent uh, of the ones. I, I think it's probably the most recent one that I have on my list. Uh, but this is a movie that came out only six years ago, uh, and this is probably the most tied into the slasher genre that I kind of prefer to, to spend my time watching in horror. But uh, there was a movie that came out in 2015 called The Final Girls, and um, it's got... A lot of people you recognize, uh, was it Taisa Farmiga, Melan Ackerman, Adam Devine, uh, Alias Shawkat, a really cool cast. But basically, it's just like a meta horror comedy that is, is a kind of a send up of the 80s slasher flicks, like the camp slasher flicks. Mm. So it's got all the tropes. It's got all the, you know, the, the, the scenery, the, the characters, the humor, the sex, the, you know, the idea of who, who a real final girl is. And there's like this through the whole thing, there's this relationship between a mother and a daughter and kind of their places in final girl uh, dumb, I guess I'll say. Uh, but I just really remember watching. I probably watched this in the least ideal way. I watched it on an airplane on the way home from vacation. And it was like, this looks really good. Like, no, I never heard of this. Like, I, can, I think it came and went on VOD when it came out. Didn't get any kind of theatrical release. Um, but I uh, I just was super entertained by it. And just thinking of like kind of what Ronald was mentioning earlier, like the the, 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 the kind of benchmarks that people usually go to, like a lot of these slasher movies, you mentioned Halloween or Friday the 13th or, you know, Scream even or, 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 or uh, Freddy, whatever it might be, these slasher movies or even like John mentioned Black Christmas. Like, I just think that, you know, where when a movie comes along that is just kind of making fun of it slash showing its love for it um it, it really kind of pulls me in like these self-aware comedies of whatever 
uh, genre it might be in because like the guy who made this also did um, his name is Todd Strauss Schulson. He did the um, isn't it romantic? It was like that mm. rom-com that came out a lot, like a year or two ago with uh, Rebel Wilson mm. um, also and Adam Devine. But it's just kind of like send ups of whatever the genre that they're kind of in. He's done a couple of them um, let that kind of fall into that category. But it's really quick. It's a short movie. It's a really kind of entertaining slasher movie. And, and again, like my love for Scream is kind of the awareness and the, the, the meta of it all. Mm. And this is kind of played for laughs, but it does really kind of wear it on its sleeve. And it really does kind of hit the checklist of everything that uh you know you you reap you root for in those horror tropes of the slasher genre especially of the 80s uh horror uh slasher movies but um the final girls you know it's uh like i said it's one of the more recent ones so it's actually streaming on hulu so if, if that sounds interesting to you and you're looking kind of for an alternate to the slasher movie that you maybe watch every year around this time uh i think the final girls might be a fun watch for you but that's my first pick Cool. cool. Thanks for the reminder on that one. You know, Adam Devine, <laughs> I have always found him funny. And recently we kind of binged through Modern Family uh, on on Hulu. And I, I, I had not watched that show. I mean, I had popped in and out. I liked, I liked yeah. Ty Burr a lot. And I always have liked Ed O'Neill. And I didn't have much of an opinion about the show other than that. Um, but you know, it was a, it was a, one of those shows that's easy just to binge because you just roll yeah. into the next one and they're very concise and it moves fast. Lots of characters, but, um, uh, uh, I don't know, just seeing him pop up for a, an extended run on that. I was like, oh, you know, I've always liked him. And I, he was just really likable Definitely. on that show. It was maybe the most likable I've seen him be. He's usually very edgy and kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, aggravating, but they let him be kind of a sweetheart <laughs> on this. Um, mm. Anyway. Yeah. Cool. Well, so what's I'll, your number two, Ronald? Yes, Ronald, I'll, number my two. number two. We, we covered this before. It comes up every once in a while. It is a remake. I don't like remakes, but I got to mention this one. 2013's The Evil Dead. If, if you don't get the fuck out of here with this crazy ass movie, <laughs> it gets, it It really, I mean, like, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the originals at first, but then you guys kind of, we kind of got into them. I watched them, really enjoyed it. And I kind of, I was a little afraid that the new one was not going to feel like have that sense of like, oh man, they're, tra they're trapped in this house. It's going to get crazy. How the hell are they going to get out of this? They're very far away from civilization. This movie captured something that I didn't even expect, which was kind of like a, a, an emotional pull between characters before the chaos even starts. Like if they established very early that there are a bunch of problems between the friends, you know, addiction, you know, differences in opinion. Um, and this really sets off the atmosphere for one of the coolest remakes I've ever seen. And then one of the coolest horror films I'd seen of the time, especially. And it plays well. If you rewatch it now, it feels just as crazy as it did in 2013. So, and I think it was shot on a pretty small budget if i'm not mistaken like it wasn't anything over like you know 20 million i think it was let me look it up it was 17 17 million and it just it feels every bit of like a 25 30 million dollar film it just looks really good and i hope that at some point it gets kind of remastered for you know 4k audiences or a nice blu-ray um 
comes our way. But this this thing is a beast, and it's worth checking out. It's, I like. It's, so, go, go. I'm so sorry. No, I'll go. I, you finish what you. I was saying. just going to say you could watch it on. I think you may have to. I think it may be on Hulu. That seems to be the only thing that it's showing on that you don't have to necessarily pay anything for. But uh, yeah, it's on all the PBODs for for less than fifteen dollars for sure. So. No, I was just going to say I like the way that it existed as like a modern take on the material. Yeah. In such a way that it didn't feel like. I don't know. It sidestepped that reboot remake question just by going for the feel. I mean, it is very much a remake in some ways, but it's yeah. so different and it kind of coexists with the uh, with the earlier movies in a way. But that franchise is all about it's like the Mad Max level almost of reinvention every time you make a movie. I like how yeah. unprecious they are about it. So yeah, I think it it was cool that that was one of those remakes that managed to bring a lot of fans of the original along because of the yeah. way they did it. There should have been a part 2. I think they are sequelizing that world in another movie. I don't know oh. what, what's carrying over, but they are picking up from that take on the material. So yeah, they they announced uh, not that long ago actually that it's gonna be, it's called Evil Dead Rises. It's like it takes and, place uh, in a high rise. Yeah, Lee Cronin directing it. The guy who did wow. the hole in the ground. I think that's why but, um, why it's called Rises because it's in a high rise. But that you know new environment for that stuff is sounds fun. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Wow. No, I, I, I just want to say I, I love that remake, and I, you know, I, I don't really love the original Evil Dead series in general, to be honest. Like, I, I enjoy them; it's entertaining. But uh, the Fede's remake is, is one of the better, yeah, one of the better remakes, in my opinion, of like a lot of the horror um, ones that came out in you know the early two thousands uh, or two thousand teens, whatever. Um, that and like you know it definitely stands out because of the cast is great and it does kind of it, it, it yeah it kind of goes beyond what the original even was in, in a lot of ways and it doesn't really um it never really stops like it just it, it just continues to it's like one big crescendo i think like the whole movie is and like you know in terms of how explicit and gory it is it just i love how it just doesn't doesn't let go yeah um that was awesome seeing that in the theater. I remember seeing that in the theaters for the first time, and people were just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yeah, there's a few, I, and I, there's and a few I, that scenes like that, that make was, you squirm like, for sure. Yeah, I was like, I was like, "Let's let's go, let's yeah. go. This is good." Yeah, but yeah, good pick, good pick. Thanks. All right. Well, my second pick is again from 1973. Now, this one I liked a lot more. Um, this one uh, still is very kind of dated, but it, it's it was pretty creepy. The tone of it, it was using things that might still work in a modern film. And this is a movie called The Legend of Hell House. This okay. is from a book by Richard Matheson. He's the guy that wrote the basis of uh, I Am Legend, um, amongst many other things. Right. Oh, wow. Um, but, uh, and let me see where this one's available. Uh, Legend of Hell House is, it's on all the usuals. You're paying four, four bucks pretty much everywhere, but it's on Amazon, YouTube, Vudu, Apple TV, and Google Play. Um, now, this one... You know, it felt contemporary in a way. I really like the way this movie was shot. It stars Roddy McDowell uh, as Benjamin Fisher, and then it's got um, Pamela Franklin in it. She's plays Florence Tanner. They're kind of the main characters, but there's, you know, it's really a four-piece kind of ensemble. There's Gail Honeycutt as Ann Barrett and Clive Revel as Dr. Barrett. And uh, Clive Revel, I just happened to notice, I looked him up, and I he's the guy that did the voice of the Emperor in Empire Strikes Back. You know, that different version oh. of the Emperor that was oh, in that yeah. movie? He did the voice for that. He did a lot of voiceover work, it seems. But it's kind of like a Hill House 
not the the haunting of hill house that we know from mike flanagan but the the haunting of hill house from shirley jackson's novel and the different adaptations that have had of that it's kind of in that vein and it's interesting how much it's similar to it on on paper but also different totally different from in terms of mm. where it goes but it's basically this the super haunted house and there's a there's a team that's expected to go in and investigate and they're staying in the house and stuff is happening uh, and that's kind of the setup of the original haunting of hill house book uh, as well as you know the all the adaptations, uh, really pretty much up until the the new one, which which dispensed with a lot of that kind of you got to spend a week in the haunted house and investigate it sort of thing. But that stuff, you know, we've seen that enough. We've seen the team move into the haunted place, and we've seen like the fraction, the fractiousness of a team. We've seen like the um, uh, uh, you know, there's there there's a clairvoyant. There's two different people with psychic abilities in this one. Roddy McDowell plays someone who's referred to as a physical medium, and then uh, Florence Tanner, that character, is a mental medium. And so they're on a team with a couple of scientists, or really a scientist and his wife, who seem to kind of tag along. Like he almost didn't want her to come. Mm. And there's a little bit of stuff, you know. There's a lot of interpersonal stuff like that going on between the characters, and you know, I, it it really had a, a pretty enjoyable like level of tension and tone and Roddy McDowell is, I've never seen him play quite a character like this before. So that was kind of <laughs> cool to see, but um, you know, where it started to feel, it's one of those where once it gets to the scares, the scares do lose a little bit of their potency because of the slightly old fashioned way of making a movie scary. But this one holds on to that fear factor a lot longer and through a lot more. And, you know, I wish I should say both of these movies are around 90 minutes. And this one at 90 minutes is very simple and streamlined and really only has a few characters in it. And it does feel, it doesn't feel that short because of that. They're they're in the house in five minutes, you know, they're all getting paid a hundred thousand dollars to stay in the house. And the setup wow. is right. In Roddy, 73? Roddy McDowell was a part of a team that went into the house 20 years ago when he's the only person that survived. A bunch of accidents mm. happened. So there's a lot of like, you know, mystery behind it. And again, it's dealing with like the sexual repression of the era. And there's a lot of like the women have this very sexual reaction to the ghost. So it's like, it feels both like it's trying to like sexualize the female characters, but also like it is commenting on, as I said before, in this era, women being more sexually expressive. Um, mm. But what's crazy about this is it's PG, and this is a fucking hard PG. In 1973, PG meant a whole different thing. Yeah. Uh, by the oh, time wow. we were kids, PG meant like, okay, this is kind of for kids, you know? Right. But even when I was younger, PG still had nudity and some pretty rough yeah. stuff in it so but this is one of the hardest pgs i've seen in terms of just how graphic they're just talking about sexual matters and orgies and like sexual torture because like the 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 guy who owned the mansion who they think might be haunting it was a real deviant you know a real mm -hmm. pervert um and uh kind of manipulative and all that stuff so there's a lot of like the women kind of succumbing to this ghost in a way that feels you know, I don't know. I don't know that you would do it that way now. And also there's one of those scenes where uh, if a woman's upset, you slap her to snap her out of it. You know, <laughs> um, crazy shit. But anyway, <laughs> even with all that, I'm not trying to knock this movie necessarily. For its time, I'm sure it it uh, was just trying to be like intense and, and you know, have yeah. a lot of strong emotions in it. But it even up to the points where it gets kind of cheesy, the, where the story goes, it reminds me of a good horror story that I might read where I would say, if you filmed this, it might look goofy, but the atmosphere of it, you know, horror can go to some pretty wild places. And where this ends up, it's, it's, it was interesting to the last minute, you know, I, 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 I it is a sudden ending, man, is it a sudden ending? <laughs> um, that the, both of these old movies, they, they, they love the sudden ending. Um, but, um, <laughs> 
no, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I really think The Legend of Hell House would be one that if, if you're willing to go with a little bit of that kind of corniness of an older movie, you would watch this one and maybe put it in that column of, oh, I was a little surprised at how modern it felt in in certain mm. ways, the way the characters deal with certain things. And you've got some great actors in it. Roddy McDowell really is like playing a brooding psychic. Um, and if that doesn't interest you, then then maybe, I don't know, fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that was strong, but Ronald already said some someone should get the fuck out of here if they don't like the Evil yeah, Dead remake. Get the, get the fuck. I'm just suggesting that as they're getting the fuck out of here, they should also <laughs> make love to themselves. <laughs> this is a family show, right? Sort sure. of. Sort of. We have the explicit flag on our podcast, so yeah, yeah. be warned. Um, so the, the, the other two picks that I have from my list... Um, kind of both fall into more of like the uh i guess like more of like a the, the dread of horror and like mm. a little more slower pacing a little bit more of a build um tightening the screw that that kind of what maybe if it came out in the last three years would be called elevated horror maybe mm. i don't know but when i saw these movies when they came out and the first one i'm going to mention i'm pretty sure i've talked about i think john we talked about it on the podcast for um being one of these movies that you know really hits uh with its ending and um again mentioning like kind of building and crescendoing um this movie uh from 2001 it's called session nine um this movie is from brad anderson who um i don't know he did like the machinist and he's done a couple other movies since this one but uh this is this is the one for me it's one of the better uh Definitely like underseen horror films uh, I can probably recommend, but just a great cast, you know, David Crusoe, who usually is not somebody I would say is in a great cast, but he's in, I think good. It goes to good use in this movie. Um, Josh Lucas, Peter Mullen and uh, Brendan Sexton Jr. Or the third rather. Um, th- this is like Peter Mullen is really the, the movie and it really kind of comes down to his performance, but it's basically just about a crew of uh, cleaners that are like as- asbestos cleaners that I think get hired for a quick Do job. It, Gordon. Yeah. Do at it, a, Gordon. Uh, at a mental hospital and it was shot on location in a mental hospital, like a low budget oh, wow. shoot. Um, man, I don't want to say anything about the movie really to give anything away, but it's just one of those things where, you know, the, the dread builds, the claustrophobia gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And, um, you know, there's just the idea of like being in a mental hospital or mental facility uh and there being some sort of uh malevolent force or so- something bad in the air you know something's there um is is just enough to start for a great horror movie and i think this is one that really kind of relies on uh character building the relationships between these four men that are in this you know in this setting in this cleaning crew and, and kind of what they have going on outside in their lives and how it impacts uh their relationships with one another but Mainly, you know, Peter Mullins' performance uh, as Gordon and kind of where we end uh, with that character um, is just uh, very impactful. And it's like one of those movies I just remember watching that no one knows about it. I mean, you know, I say that like if you follow like Dreaded or like, you know, the horror Reddit, it's like, you know, really horror horror fans probably have a lot of love for this movie. Um, but the, the, the general public, I think this is one that really gets missed. Um, and every single person I feel like I've recommended it to um, has really enjoyed it and were really surprised uh, by how you know creepy it is and how much it, it affected them. But uh, it's, again, kind of like John was mentioning with the last one, it, it's kind of one of those ones that's 
on the VOD platforms. You can probably rent it for like three or four bucks through uh, any of your choice. But if you can track it down, um, I don't think it's on any, it may be on some streaming services, more of the like little niche ones, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's so, it's so, uh, what's the word? Um, it almost gets to a point like that you really, at least me, like, you, you really can't take anymore. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and when, cause the whole idea is that they find these tapes and it's, you know, you're listening to these tapes, these session tapes of, um, pay, of a patient, um, with, with multiple, uh, I guess multiple personalities or I, I forget what it actually is, but, um, what they call it in the movie, but, you know, as they start to listen to these tapes and when there's are certain reveals, and what actually happens before and during and after the movie it's just i don't know man it's it's a lot and it's yes. heavy and it's fucking dark but it is so good it's so good uh, it it is it was almost on my list uh the only reason i didn't put it on my list because it was the first movie i thought of as like this movie needs more love is because i know that i've talked about it before on yeah. here and i can't yeah. remember the context yeah. i brought it up but i i mean I, yeah i feel like we've definitely compared notes on what a classic this is this is it's like to call yeah. it perfect or uh, you know, just great is it, it is. It reminds me of what I was saying about Black Christmas, which is that it still has the power. If you show it to someone who's like a jaded horror fan, they might yep. go, "Oh yeah, That's that it. one kind of got to me in a funny way." And there's a mm. few visuals in it that are just burned into my brain forever. The pain of the the character, the lead character played by uh, Peter Mullen, as you've mentioned, really fuels the movie. But the idea of these guys, like this cleaning crew. You know, they put them in a set that really is like what it's supposed to be. They, they they're the setting is an abandoned hospital. Yeah. They're in an abandoned hospital shooting, um, so that gives it a verisimilitude and just something you could not create on a set and something a low budget movie especially would not be able to create. But yeah, right. that cast it's just these these, these kind of rough guys who are like at the. It, they're at their wits end. They're all, they all need this job. They all need to finish this job, get this money. They, they took it under terms that were insanely unrealistic because of how much they need to get this job or how much right. the, uh, Gordon, the guy who's led, had, had, putting the crew together, how much he needs the job. And yeah, talk about heavy, brutal, all that sad. Yeah. It, it is a mood that sticks with you right to that end, that voice on that tape. Um, is one of the most disturbing things that I've ever seen in a movie or heard in a movie. Um, mm. So yeah, no, it, this one never gets old. And I've, I've watched it many times and every time it has that same like heebie-jeebie quality, like yeah. you said. But I love showing it to people. I mean, it is one of those that's very, very enjoyable to... So yeah, no, Session 9. If you haven't seen it, Ronald, you don't okay. even have to watch yeah. Session 1 through 8 to understand it. <laughs> Just watch the ninth one? Yeah. I'll check it out. Like, I, I have it in my possession i just haven't watched it and i think it, it, yeah it's come up it's come up before and i know yeah. we've been like check it out at some point but it's just like you know john said like and and i even mentioned it's just like it's one of the ones that comes to mind first when i think about the underseen or on you know whatever and uh may, maybe in second to the the movie that i'll mention next is my last pick but i mean it's one of the top two that always pops up that just when i do recommend it it, it definitely most of the time or as um it, it's just like people really do have like a response to it and it is that kind of mm. thing where it kind of shakes them a little bit where it's like oh fuck like this is something different and yeah. um it's so weird that no one not very little people know about it it's crazy okay but uh cool. yeah man what's your what's your last pick ronald uh it kind of piggybacks on heavy stuff um it's uh 
a horror film that is a strange mix of artsy and tackling the real subjects. It's called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Um, mm. It's a 2017 Spanish speaking film that takes place in Mexico. Um, uh, the main character essentially loses her mom. She just disappears. Uh, this is a, a serious commentary on like cartels and the corruption in Mexico. And um, it, it's it's very grounded with the exception of all the things that are happening around them. And this girl, this little girl joins this group of kids that are kind of in the middle of this death and destruction and all these really hyper magical things start happening around them. A combination hmm. of like, Things protecting them, things trying to kill them, all com- all kind of fighting in the streets of Mexico, and it, it is gorgeous. If you if you haven't seen anything like this, I mean, it's the most unusual thing I think I've ever seen, but it is it is a treat for the eyes, and and one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. But it is hard. I, I, believe it or not, I, I sound like I'm just talking about like a. a, a a biopic or something, but it, it it has a lot of magic in it, combined with all the sad craziness and a and a bunch of scares, a lot of like visuals you probably have never seen before. But it's worth checking out, man. It's 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 a dare I say it a masterpiece. Oh wow! You, it's funny you mentioned it because like I feel like I I follow the 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 director on Twitter and she's always like so interesting and I I've I've seen this movie on so many lists. Mm. and i somehow have never seen it yeah and i need to change that because i've heard nothing but amazing things about it yeah it's 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 unreal man like give it your attention and watch it in the dark you know what i mean like sometimes yeah, yeah, i'll yeah. watch stuff and not pay it to, it's it's a it's a it's a handful but it's really worth the it's worth it yeah cool no that's good i'll put that on a list <clears throat> cool cool you guys are giving me some good thoughts here. Okay, so yeah, I guess my last movie is my favorite of the ones that I watched, and it's the one that I kind of <laughs> thought might be the best because it's the one I'd heard mentioned the most, and I've actually read the short story by Daphne du Maurier, who um, uh, also wrote the the story of Rebecca, that, that, you know, that's been made into a movie a couple times. Yeah. Um, mm. Anyway, uh, it's called Don't Look Now. It's a film that is set in Venice, and it stars Donald Sutherland and uh, Julie Christie as a oh. grieving couple that have lost a child, and they're over there. And there, it just kind of snowballs from this moment where the 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 woman encounters these these this like a a, a blind prophet, um, or just a woman who has a sixth sense about things, who tells her that she can see the the ghost of their their child with them, and that the child is happy. Um, and and the child died in a in a little red raincoat, and they see a figure around Venice that wears a oh, red yeah. raincoat. So it's like it kind of spirals off from that idea. Like that scene sets this movie in motion. It, I was reminded a little bit of the Torrances in uh, in The Shining, in that that um, you have sort of a nervous woman who's like kind of trying to please this guy who's very. Uh, like seemingly emotionally stunted, Donald Sutherland plays a, a mm. decent guy, but he's a little bit closed off from the emotions of this situation that they've, they're grieving this child, and she's a little more plugged into it. And so that push and pull feels very real and relatable. And in fact, we've seen so many horror movies deal with that idea, sp- specifically a couple that has lost a child. That seems like a right, big right. 
thing to put in. But this feels like, I don't know, I, maybe this was one of the earlier uses of it, but this is one that's very thematically tied to the movie. The director, Nicholas Rogue, uh, is a very, you know, artistic director. And so there's all kind of visual motifs and the editing is very nonlinear and kind of you get moments of, since it's about precognition, it's about these these predictions that this that this uh, blind psychic has. Um, you know, you see, you don't realize until the movie's over kind of when you were seeing the future and when you were seeing the past and when you were seeing the present and how all that fits together. But mm. it's it was just really, like, beautifully shot, really well acted. And as far as, like, using modern techniques or techniques that would scare me in the modern era, this was the one that felt the most like, okay, yeah, there's something very... There was a really kind of dreamlike chase clo close to the end of this movie that feels like you're, you're the character's going into some almost like a hellish world, and uh, oh, wow. it's all but it's all real. I'm pretty sure it was all shot on location in Venice, you know. So they pump some 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 smoke in there and have people walking through it, and it just it has a very otherworldly feel. It reminds me of that season of Hannibal that I think was shot in Italy, um, and I would be shocked if Brian Fuller didn't have Don't Look Now uh, as a touchstone stylistically for some of the scenes he was shooting in that season. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of loved this movie. I really did. Th I mean, from from the look to the, the production value to just the way it's put together and the, the fact that the ending, you really do get a, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a out of left field kind of what the fuck moment, but it it is, it's very much, it's, it's set up by the movie. And I think that is, it, Sometimes, like, how long can a movie have you wondering what the hell kind of movie you're watching, you know? <laughs> you're right, it, right. Sometimes you can get to the end of a movie, and that's okay that they had you wondering the whole time what kind of movie you were watching. This movie feels very linear up until about halfway in, and then you begin to really wonder what the story is. And then about an hour in, like, so you spend about an hour maybe thinking you're watching a very artsy kind of dreamlike David Lynch-y kind of movie. Um, and it does remind me of David Lynch's style in some ways. Um but I think it does, like, narratively, it actually works out. And it actually, ha it works almost like a twist movie in the sense that playing it back in your head, certain things make sense uh, that didn't the first time through. So as dreamlike and artistic as it is, it is still telling, like, a tangible story that has real stakes. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, I mean, yeah, don't look now. Jeez, I'm, I'm sure a lot of film buffs, I think, think of this as, like, a classic. But I don't hear it mentioned in the sort of list of horror films you should check out that often. Um, so I would say that I think most people that have a tolerance for a slightly, whatever that slower pace, whatever that feel of an older movie, if you if you have any patience for it, this one feels like a very modern version of that. And like I said, very scary. So don't I look now. I wrote that down for sure. I definitely want to see that. Yeah, I, I kept thinking Ronald might like this. I don't know if I thought Steve would like this. I don't know. <laughs> It's hard for me to know with Steve's taste, like, you know, how, how much he wants to be patient. Not that you're not patient, but you know what I mean. Like, I think Ronald and I are more like, oh, this movie's being artsy and dreamlike on purpose. And I wonder sometimes if you would be watching it going, come on, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Just why is so artsy? <laughs> not so much why so artsy, but whatever that uh, only God forgives, whatever that line is, you know, that, that you're on one side of it and we're on slightly the other. I don't, you know, I, I, I wonder. But I think, I think... Yeah. I mean, you know, if it sounded good, that's, you'd probably like it. I feel like I've seen. I, I feel like I've seen that this movie, or at least a lot of this movie before. Mm -hmm. I've seen the, the shot the of red, the red jacket stuff. Yeah, Donald Sutherland pointing. Actually, I think, like I, that. I think that's I, I, from that's um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, <laughs> huh? that's the wrong movie. That's a different no. movie. 
No, that's like a Donald Sutherland picture of him. Like well, the, I've seen uh, the, well maybe there is. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. but like maybe he does it in this movie too. But the famous Donald Sutherland pointing and screaming, I think that we're thinking of. Are you serious? From Invasion of the Body Snatchers, yeah. Oh, you might be right. <laughs> you're, you're just thinking because it says "Don't look now." There's the name that that he's would, like. Look, that would be the image. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, now it's time to look. No, he has a couple of moments in this where he's like going. Oh, I think you're right. Oh, he, you know, so he does have. Yeah, it's, like, a, it's an it's an iconic scene in yeah. the original in the in the invasions. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy because he has the same kind of hairstyle, so like it's easy to. Yeah, that, yeah that's just what he looked like in the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful curly you. hair. You see his butt yeah. for a long time in this movie. Oh, and Ronald, oh, Ronald, shit, Ronald takes it up. off his list. Steve puts it on his list, and Ronald takes it off his list. <laughs> you know how to sell it to me, John. Um, <laughs> Way less butts in my last pick, but uh, but yeah, so like I mentioned before, Session 9 and this movie is the top two that always come to mind when I'm like, what are the horror movies that people don't know about or that I haven't seen? What can you recommend? This I, I, I came across this movie like five or six years ago. It came out in 2008. It's an Australian movie. It's kind of shot in that mockumentary found footage style. This movie is kind of a thriller. It's kind of a mystery. It's definitely a ghost story. Um, but this movie is called Lake Mungo. Mm-hmm. And um, this movie is, I think, the only feature film written and directed by filmmaker Joel Anderson. I think he made a short film as well, an Australian filmmaker. But um, this movie basically is about a uh, a family who experiences, you know, their daughter drowns. And, you know, oh, they kind of um, start experiencing some odd things at their home um, after this happens and they hire like a parapsychologist to come and help figure things out and weird shit starts happening. Um, it's kind of in the same kind of feeling of something like paranormal activity or um, like the Poughkeepsie, the Poughkeepsie tapes, uh, things like that. If you've heard of any of those uh, types of movies, but this one specifically always stuck with me. And maybe it's because I just kind of was randomly, I kind of came across it on like a list uh, on Reddit or something on Dreddit. And um, this is one of those movies where Aaron was asleep. I got a hold of the movie, which recently it kind of came out. I was going to mention this to you, Ronald, because maybe you can track it down. I think it only came out in the UK, but um, uh, distributor released like a a high res, like a Blu-ray release of it, which it it had never really been available before with some special features and some restoration that was done to it. I've been trying to get a hold of it, but it's like super expensive. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I came across it. I, I watched it um, by myself late at night in the dark while it was raining outside. And it just is it's a memory watching this movie. Like it's something I'll always remember. Um, it's kind of one of those things. We, we talk about it with a lot of the big horror movies, but it's like these things where you're looking across the scene. Um, for something or someone or whatever that may or may not be in the shot or may or may mm. not be in this footage. Um, but it does a really good job of, of planting those seeds um, in your, in your mind. And like the doubt that you have of whether what, you know, the family thinks they're seeing is actually happening or what the uh, parapsychologist that comes in kind of thinks is happening. But it just kind of talks about, you know, the family grief loss. There's all these themes that kind of go throughout it, but, you know, kind of w- without, talking too much about the story, you know, kind of what, what is discovered, how it's handled and, and, and kind of the way that the filmmaker Joel Anderson kind of handles 
the way that the mockumentary style is really kind of revealing the information to the viewer, oh, wow. to me or to you, whoever watches this movie. It's just uh, it's a standout, man. I don't I don't know if either of you have have ever seen it. Um, yeah, I have. Um, it's great. Yeah, it's just it's it's a, it's such a it's such a slight thing, and it's like it's a movie that you know definitely found a small audience, and people that love it love it, and really talk about it nonstop. And I, I would consider myself one. Uh, another one I've recommended to a lot of friends that have watched it, to family who have watched it, especially if you like those kinds of movies. Like we've talked about that found footage film that we watched at the festival recently. It, it came up in that movie a few times because it definitely has a big a big fan base. And I know like. Um, the director of uh, of host uh, Rob Savage is like a big uh, lover of this movie. He always posts about it. But um, if if you're looking for that kind of little less found footage, a little more mockumentary uh, mystery, I would say true crime ish sort of vibe a little bit, kind of like uh, that kind of movie. Um, but still, it's got some amazingly creepy shots in it, and um, there's a few shots in it that are pure nightmare fuel and it definitely stuck with me uh, a few days after watching it, which that doesn't usually happen. Mm. Um, and again, it's those situations where you think you see something or maybe you do, and maybe you don't, and there's no way to know unless you have footage of it. Right. And then you just keep watching the footage over and over again. And maybe you start to see something, but I don't know. It's just, it's that thing. And Lake Mungo is the one is the one for me. Like I, I, and again, because it's like a little Australian movie that never got a proper release and somehow found an audience. It's just like, keep it going, tell a friend, tell, tell a couple friends. So, uh, you know, Ronald definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Um, but it's actually on Amazon prime also. So if you have prime video through your Amazon subscription, if you have Amazon prime, rather, I mean, you have prime video, you, you can watch this movie right now. Uh, if you want to, and it's like less than an hour and a half, it moves super quick. It's a really, it's a really great little horror movie. Um, yeah. Lake Mungo. I should go back and mention that Don't Look Now is on all the usuals that we mentioned. But if you're a Pluto subscriber, apparently, Pluto TV, you get it free. But every everything else, it's just the usual Apple, Amazon, Voodoo. Seems like three or four bucks is the is what they what they put these movies at. <laughs> uh, it's always like for a dollar more, you could own it. Uh, you know, <laughs> right, right. Which I don't understand why somebody wouldn't just pay the extra dollar. <laughs> Have it forever. Uh, you see, if you're making me think too, like Mungo, I, I have to think too. Uh, Mungo Jerry is he the guy who sang that in the summertime song? Was that him? In the summertime, <laughs> do, 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 do. I think I have no clue. Mungo, oh, yeah. Mungo Jerry. That um. <clears throat> well, that was it. That was uh, that was our list. It's been a while since we've done a list. I like that. I like that a lot. I, it, I, I think I'm gonna I enjoy. That I know thing. a couple things I'm gonna watch. It's it's the season for it. Down so much shit. Apparently, there was. Like right before lockdown, there was a release of Don't Look Now. It got restored. There's a 4K restore of it. I see the special edition of Lake Mongo that Steve. I'm gonna grab. I gotta watch some of this stuff, man. It's is it? Is it a? It, it is 4K. Uh, no, it looks like it's just Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah I think it's got. It's got like the blue box. Yeah. It's yeah, gorgeous, I, I, that's the, that's the, the one I'm talking about. Yeah, it's like yeah. second second something is the distributor. Yeah, yeah, second sight. Um, second sight. Yep, that's the one. I tried to get it when they released it, and second uh, sight did the, the Adam it. Wingard the guest uh, remaster. Oh wow! Okay, they do a lot of good shit, man. And uh, oh, yeah, I almost got one. I had it in my cart, and like 
I didn't check out in time and it just, I lost it when it was like legitimately for sale. Right, now right. you can find it and it's like hundred, a hundred dollars plus. I'm just like, Oh, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. That's a lot of money. Yeah. No way. Jeez. But yeah, it's, it's, I, w- I would love for you to check it out. If you, if you have oh, time uh, and let, let, let me know what you think of it. Okay, cool. We should, uh, we should make sure that, uh, with these watch list episodes that we do from this point forward and this one included, we should uh, kind of maybe figure out a way to in, in the episode description and or like, you know, in like on Twitter or some of our social media, mm. try to provide, you know, this list and like where people can find these uh, titles just to, as a reminder. That's um, a good idea. Maybe maybe in the episode description. I don't know. Uh, yeah, what, whatever's right. easiest, the way for them to link to something, because I'd love for people to be able to find these movies that we just all went through. I know I, I definitely want to check out uh, what is it? It's called Tigers Are Afraid. Tigers are not afraid. Are not afraid. Yeah, I got to yeah. find that one. Cool. All right. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more out there. And I mean, yeah. if you've if you've listened to this episode and you have a uh, a horror movie that we might have missed, or maybe other listeners, definitely uh, find us on social media. Email us. Uh, all the social media is just slash movie movie. So if you can uh, let us know, maybe one that we could check out and get back and let you know what we thought of it, that'd be great. Um, this episode will also be up if you want to watch the video on youtube.com slash movie And I have no idea what episode is next, besides that it's going to be 321. <laughs> I don't know what the topic will be. And I mean, mm. three, two, mystery, one, guys. do something about rockets. Rockets? Three, two, one. Oh, Counting got it, got it, got it. Speaking of rockets, did you see that trailer for uh, Lightyear? Yes. Yeah. I can't wait. I mean, it's great casting. Yeah. I mean, oh my it's God, like, come on. Yeah. Talk about something that's going to make people like that idea. Gave uh, me goosebumps. Yeah. Gave me the goosey bumps. Ronald could not be less interested in it. I'm not interested. But yeah, that's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm just, not going to watch it. Just tell Aaron I'll watch it with her. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Absolutely will. Uh, I want I want but, to plug. Oh, go ahead, Ronald. <clears throat> go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, what no, were you no, about no, to say? Go ahead. All right, we're gonna have a kindness battle, and I guess I'll either lose or win. Does the person <laughs> who go? If you go, you lose the kindness battle, right? No, I, guess I, no. I just lost the character contest. Uh, I just, well, but I'm plugging something you're involved in, Ronald. I want to plug an album that I've been threatening for a long time. An album of of songs that are about horror movies, a horror movie themed album. It's called Horrific. It is out today on Bandcamp. You can go to sci-fi.bandcamp.com. That's S-I-G-H-F-I-G-H.bandcamp.com and find Horrific. Ronald was kind enough to contribute some vocals to a chorus on one of the songs. It's like Ronald sings the hook, kind of, on, on one of the tracks. And um, one of the cool things is I worked with a graphic designer, the guy who did the art, Nick Previs, a friend of mine. He also designed a t-shirt that goes along with it. So you can buy the album on Bandcamp, as I just said, or you can go over to Feral Kids, uh, Nick's t-shirt shop, uh, which is feral-kids.com. And if you mm. go there and look at the shop, there it'll be listed under sci-fi or horrific. It'll be pretty easy to find it. But there's a there's a t-shirt download bundle where you can get the same download you get on Bandcamp, but uh, for $18 more, you get a, a really cool t-shirt that Nick designed. So that's horrific. That's out uh, out today. And it's like, you know, it's one of those things I've been kind of kidding around about doing for a long time. And I finally finished 18 songs 
uh, 14 different horror movies referred to in the songs. Uh, I don't know. Very, uh, very fun stuff. And I'm very happy it's done. I can now rest because I've been mixing and mastering that, that motherfucker all week. So. <laughs> and we'll put it in the description too. Yeah. We'll, put it in the we'll drop the links in. Yeah. And thank you, Ronald. You were great. You haven't heard it yet. Thanks, man. No, I have no <laughs> idea what it's going to sound like. I'm excited because I've never, truth be told, man, I've never record, recorded myself singing ever in so this is really cool. I've, yeah. I've never. Thank you. Sure. Well, thank you for doing it. <clears throat> man, it's, it's pretty damn cool. This is fun, man. I, I feel like I've gathered a list of a pretty good amount of movies that you guys suggested that I've never seen and I'm excited about seeing. So, yeah, maybe we should follow up after this and we talk about the ones that we've seen. Yeah, I mean, the way I did it all from one year, I could just go to another year and do the, do it again, you know? So <clears throat> I, if we had all done our birth years, that would have been an idea, you know, that, that I didn't come up with until I was doing my, my stuff. But it would be interesting to note the movies that marked your, your entering the world, because that's, that's what I did by accident. That'd be pretty cool, man. We should try to do that down the line. Yeah. I like when we do anything year-based. What did we do yeah. for a while there? It was soundtrack, soundtrack. Where you, yeah. we randomly drew a year, and then we all picked soundtracks from that year that we thought were good. I like that. Man. You do it again? Sounds good. <laughs> um, Moviesmovie.com is the website. Again, all podcast platforms. Subscribe, like, comment, review, rate. Any of those things that take up five fingers on John's hand. Just, <laughs> just take all five up. As he's counting for those that aren't watching. Which you shouldn't be on YouTube. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, we appreciate any kind of feedback you can give us. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.